You're listening to the weekly Joel Klatt segment podcast. Listen to it live every Wednesday between 8 and 8.30 a.m. during the football season. Presented exclusively by Audi Flatirons in Broomfield. Exceeding your experience from the first mile to the last. Time now to welcome in our pal Joel Klatt, lead college football analyst at Fox Sports and proud CU Buffalo this week as he joins us presented by Audi Flatirons. Joel has the... Has the prime time smile come off your face in the last week yet? <laughs> no, um, man, I'm I'm excited as as you can imagine. I mean, you know, this guy has made Colorado more relevant in the last you know seventy two hours than they've been in the better part of two decades, and this is exactly what they've needed. Colorado had 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 sunk to a point, guys that. You know, I, I hate to admit it, but th- this was the worst Power 5 team in, in the country, you know, and, and the record bears that out. The roster bears that out. And he's made them immediately relevant, and I would even argue maybe the most relevant uh, team in, in the country over the last, you know, few days. And I, I this is a, uh, I mean, it's it's hard to say home run. We always say something like that, but. Let's just put it this way. This is a zero or 10. And that's, that's what makes me excited because it's a swing. This is a swing. This is, this is a, a flag in the ground that says we're trying to go and do something special and different. And, um, in this day and age of, of NIL and transfer portal, this is exactly what a, a program like Colorado needs. And, and now every, every really good player in the country, if you're a top 50 player, top 100 player, one, you're going to respond to a text or a DM from Deion Sanders. And two, you're probably, if invited, going to come check it out. And as we all know, those of us that either grew up in Denver or live there now, you know, once you get there, it's a special place. That was always Bill McCartney's special secret sauce, was that he felt like if he could get somebody, whether it was from Houston or Dallas or the L.A. area, and they could just come see Boulder, that, that they would stay. And, and I think that they're going to be in a position where they're going to get guys to come and visit, and, and they're going to see how special it is. And, and I would be shocked if this doesn't start working out. They're going to flip the roster, and, and, and I think Colorado is, is, is primed, if you will, for, for a lot of success. Did you uh, – what did you make of him basically telling players that were sitting in the chairs – uh, hey, the portal's open, and uh, most of you aren't going to play here next year, or whatever it was he said, <laughs> which I personally, I loved. I know there were a lot of very sensitive people out there, you know, that uh, don't want to hurt feelings, but uh, it's you're an awful football program. The, the players there were, were not good enough. I loved it. W- what did you make of it? Yeah, it's it's very, listen, it's there are so many different scenarios that a coach can have his first meeting with the team. You know, you can be a program that's had a lot of success that a coach moves on to the NFL. You can be a a program that is middling and and thinks that they should be having more success. And, you know, um, a coach is, is fired. There's so many different scenarios. Well, this scenario happens to be that there are very few players in that room that he feels like he can win with. And, and so the bottom line is like his goal is to try to thin out that roster as, as much as he can so that he can open up as many spots as he can 
for players that he feels like can play better. And that's his job. And so the other part of this is like, you know, in, in this day and age, it's just different than it used to be. If, if you're going to, if you're going to get NIL dollars and if you're going to have the ability to transfer every year, and if you're going to have the ability to make adult decisions, then you're going to be treated like an adult. That's just kind of the bottom line. And, 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 and there's a, the other part of this that I absolutely know is that he's, he's in it to mentor young men. And those, those men in that auditorium that are able to cut it and stick around, they're going to fall in love with the guy. And, and, and sometimes in this day and age, you need a little tough love. And, and I can tell you this, the last thing that a one in 11 roster needs is coddling. And, and, you know, so 10 years ago, would I say that I loved it, Mark? Probably not, but this is just a different time and it's a different scenario. And, and it was another signal to everybody out there throughout the country that like, listen, we're open for business. You want to come here? I'm going to have a spot for you. Joel, do you buy the idea that this is just a two, three year stepping stone move for Deion Sanders? You know, I, I think that that remains to be seen. I think that there was, um, from what I've been told, there's some, some significant buyout numbers uh, throughout the first three years. So, and, and I also know that, like, you know, Dion had chances to go other places and, and didn't. And I think that he wants to build something special at Colorado. I think that he he's going to fall in love with the place. And it it's hard to say, Mike. I don't know. You know, I mean, what happens if, like, I don't, Dion has a lot of success and Nick Saban retires and Alabama's like, we want you. I, I, I have no idea, right? And this sport has gone so much now uh, in a year-to-year mode that it's really hard to say. I will tell you this, though. I've always said this. I said it on the show when, when we used to work together. If you've got a chance to take a big swing, I don't care if it's one year or two years or, or, or five years or ten years, you know, where your window is for success, you take it. Um, the Rams did it. Mark, you were just mentioning all the draft picks that they gave up. Guess what? Worth it. Why? They won the Super Bowl. So, you know, I don't know how long he's going to be there. I hope that it's it's for a significant amount of time. Uh, but I do know that it's worth it if you can get the program onto a, a, a better footing and, and you can start winning some football games. Plus, by the way, this is going to mean, I, 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 and I don't think that this is an exaggeration, this is going to mean millions and millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to the institution. I think the athletic department is going to be in such a better place financially, even with the money that they're having to, to shell out to, to he and his staff, like the fundraising is going to go up. The season tickets are going to go up. The NIL dollars for the players are going to go up. There's going to be students from all over the country that just want to go to Colorado. You know, for example, and I think I've said this on this show before, if you take a look at, at, at the student population at Alabama before Nick Saban got there and then what it is now, there's a little over like twelve or 13,000 more students at Alabama now than they were before Nick Saban got there. So so they, they have increased the popularity of their school. Well, th- that twelve or 13,000 students, if you just average out tuition to about just under $20,000, which is a low and conservative estimate, that's roughly about a quarter billion dollars annually to the school. So if you guys, you know, if people don't think that the football coach is an important hire at a university, 
then they're sorely mistaken. It's the most important hire that you can possibly make as a university. And I, I firmly believe that they're going to, there's going to be so many more applicants, so many more quality applicants just from a student perspective. And it's going to increase the financial uh, viability of the institution as well. Why has CU and other institutions, other universities, other colleges been so reluctant to understand that and, and make that agreement, that that understanding that if we really commit to a football program and make the football program the best it can be and throw all our resources at it, that it'll greatly impact our overall university. Why has CU been reluctant to embrace that till now? Well, man, that's a that's a really good question, Mike. Um, for those of us that, that are in sports and can kind of understand it, it's a no-brainer. For those people that are not in sports and in particular that don't like football, you know, I they just – they just think that it's a purely academic exercise. And I vehemently degree, disagree with that. Um, you know, I think it's, it's two things. One is it's hard. You can't just throw money at it. And I think professional organizations are proof of that. You, you can't just say like, Hey, I'm going to go throw money at this and, and we're going to be good because just like trying to find a quarterback in the NFL, it's hard to find a really good head coach at the college level. Um, it's it, it's just not easy. So that's number one. And number two, I, I think that there's some, some petty jealousy in general. I'm not saying specifically, but in general, when it comes to the academic arms of the institutions and the athletic arms of the institutions. And the the bottom line is is that there is a healthy portion at every institution of 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 staff or or professors or deans that just don't like the athletic department and and i think it's born out of a, a jealousy and and this notion that this is supposed to be just be academic and they can't fathom the fact that the football program specifically is the front porch of the sport. Let me give you an example. Okay. So my nephew actually goes to TCU. Did you know that like what TCU was academically before Gary Patterson became the head coach and more more specifically before they went to the Rose bowl, it was kind of an average university when it comes to the academics. And, and if you would look at the number of applicants from around the country and, and specifically their, their test scores, you know, they were okay, not great. Well, then they go to the Rose Bowl. They go undefeated under Andy Dalton. They, they move conferences, and the program begins to elevate TCU. Well, now you look at TCU. Now, they cap their enrollment, okay? So they cap their enrollment at 10,000. But the level of applicant that is now applying at TCU is far greater from an academic side. And so the academic side of the institution has increased dramatically because of the football program. And that's what those nerds never understand. <laughs> that, there right go, there Mark. at the you end. That? It right was there, all real nice. Right, and then, bam! Right there yeah. at the end. Right that there. was Joel Ooh. Klatt walking around campus, taking a sleeve of golf balls, 
tossing it to a golfer and saying you're welcome right there. Yeah. That's I that. Should, that I was, should have taken like was a, it, right a paycheck to the dean and been like, "You're welcome, buddy." <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're priceless. Oh, I love Just it. Absolutely. I love it. He tried to kind of be, you know, diplomatic for most of that, and then mm-hmm. the end, the real Joe Clack came out. Yeah, which yeah, is well, the way and, and, and listen, and now you know why why those you know those people don't <laughs> like the football program. Not helping things, am I? No, no. Can can it turn around? How quickly? Yeah, what are expectations? Like, what yeah, would be, what be what your would expectations? Be, not only expectations, um, Mike. I would just have to see. I, I I don't know yet. I have to see what happens in the transfer right. portal. All about that. You know, I mean. It, it just depends on how many kids he flips, exactly what the staff looks like. So I, it's really hard for me to answer right now. I will tell you this, that like previously before the portal, before NIL, I would have said like, hey, you know, it's, it's, they're going to have to be really bad for a, a little bit before they can be really good. Uh, and I just don't know if that's the case anymore. And so it depends on what the, what the roster looks like. If it's, if it's anything, to what I expect it to be, I think that they can go to a bowl game next year. And okay. and that's drastic, guys. Drastic. You have no idea how bad they are. I mean bad. And, you know, to, to even throw out a potential, like, you could go to a bowl game next year is a wild improvement. It would be... It would be in the exact same vein of what USC did, four wins to, to being a potential playoff team. That's about the, the the gap that they would have to go from being where they are now to being a potential bowl team. You know, Joe, I don't know what kind of coach um, primetime is. I, I really don't. Um, but I know he's a great leader of men. And in my opinion, that's what the Broncos need for Russell Wilson if they're going to fix this. Do you look at Russell Wilson as a fixable commodity? Man, I would have said yes, you know, probably this summer, but you have no, that was before this year. I, I don't know. This this seems like it's, it's headed for an absolute disaster and a giant write-off for the new ownership group. I hope to be wrong on this because obviously I love the Broncos and I want them to succeed and that's the most important position and the one that has to get right in order for them to succeed. But, you know, you start looking around like, okay, who would take that job? You know, because Nathaniel Hackett is not a very good football coach and at least as a head coach, which, you know, more, there are some guys that are just not, cut out to be head coaches. They're just better in a coordinator and position coach role. I think that's probably Nathaniel Hackett until he gets a lot more experience. That being said, what coach out there is going to be like, oh, yeah, that's the one for me. I want to go with that rigid quarterback that played awful. I mean, it just it makes the job awful. Don't you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Unless you have... Like, I I think about Dan Quinn, who was in Seattle when Russell was young and who's got serious gravitas and a great, you know, really good resume. Like, could you come in there and basically say, this is the way we're going to do things. We're going to go back to the beginning and... Like I'm, I'm going to help you salvage your career because what you've done, this, the how you've sabotaged your own career to, to uh, this year, 
is like you you need some serious rehab on that. But I don't yeah. know. If, I don't know. I don't know if he. You know, I don't know if he's at that position where he feels that way. But right now, you know, one of the things that bothers the heck out of me, Joel, is you know I'm just the ultimate team guy. I'm, I believe in team, and you have like Hackett may not be a, a great coach or a great head coach, but there's everybody on that staff is going to get fired, and the reason they're going to get fired is because you've been awful, just awful. And that's real, and uh, like that—that that really bothers me. Never, no. I've never really heard it put that way in a singular sense, you know, on on a football for a football team. But you're absolutely right, and I I, I wonder what that conversation would look like and feel like, and wh- and whether he this guy even realizes that, like when he drives in. You know, and he goes and sits in his own office. By the way, your quarterback should never have his own office. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Go watch film in the quarterback room like everybody else does, like Tom Brady does, like Peyton Manning did. Um, you know, those are the types of things that he's trying to elevate himself. Let's just put it to you this way. You know that line from, uh, what, what was it, Gladiator? When uh, Maximus tells homeboy... Um, <laughs> You know, he's like, the time for honoring yourself has come to an end. <laughs> right. That's a great line. And mm. and someone needs to tell it to Russell Wilson. Oof. It just gave me a... Tell his homeboy. <laughs> it gave me a little shiver. <laughs> I, I forget, yeah. Joaquin. What's yeah, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, okay, what, it's like, yeah, what was he? You know, Julie, was uh, he Julius C? Who was he? Was he or something? Yeah, something like I that. Don't I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. My name is Maximus Decimus of Ridley. Really, time for honoring yourself has come to an end. Chill. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, that's so good. So good. All right, Joel, you got a lot of people buzzing on the text line, so um, you gave us a lot to uh, unpack. Thank you. Well. Well, the time for honoring myself has come to an end. I'll see you later. <laughs> see you later. There he goes. Joel Klatt, as he is uh, presented by Audi Flatirons. Hello, this is Ryan Watson, Vice President and General Manager of Audi Flatirons and Audi Boulder Service. When was the last time a dealership delivered the experience you were looking for? Have you ever felt that buying a car was solely about making the sale? It should be about the relationship, beginning with your commitment to do business with us and continuing through the years to follow. Our team is dedicated to exceeding your expectations from the first mile to the last. Come see us in person or visit us online at AudiFlatirons.com or AudiBoulderService.com.